Welcome to the Zeitgeist, now available on Neuralink. Hello, Josh. Hello, Sam. Oh. oh. <laughs> We're synchronised today. Exactly the same time. <laughs> well, it's fine. With the magic of editing, time is relative. Yeah, exactly. I can so. put our hellos whenever I want. Yeah. Or you can leave them, you know? They're perfect the way they are. Yeah, no, I mean, none of the rest of this conversation would make any sense without um, those hellos being synchronised. Exactly, exactly. And the listeners need to know. Yeah. It feels good to be um, finally doing it again. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. There's been things happening. I should sound quite a bit better now. Yes, Um, I think so. I'm not full of cold, and I haven't got a garbage mic. So I'm a little bit full of cold. Oh, that's okay, friend. You don't sound that bad. You really don't. That's good. Um, so we should have crisp, clean. Uh, Hello. Oh. There is a bit of peakage. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. No idea. Oh. So, we've got a brand new topic to talk about today, Josh. It's a very exciting one. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and it's about the brand new. Yeah, but also we're going to take a little trip through the not so brand new things that we yeah. we maybe take for granted that uh, weren't always around. Some so so would you like to uh, take us on this the beginning of this grand trip? The human story. Okay, all right. Uh, as I've heard it described. Um, so, yeah, so I've I've noted down some things that have been uh, either discovered or invented throughout, throughout history, and uh, this is by no means a top ten list. It's just ones that have come to mind. I'm sure there's many top others. Top ten coolest human inventions. Yeah. Number one. Burger King foot lettuce. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So, the the first one that came to mind, um, probably the start of where uh, we became humans, we became a human being rather than uh, a monkey, was the agricultural revolution. So, about 12,000 years ago, or before 12,000 years ago, we just were hunter-gatherers. And in many ways, we do that today. You know, I go out, I hunt for food at the local McDonald's. uh, I wouldn't call it a hunt. You've you've had someone else do all the the food get for you, really. Yeah. But we uh, we can trade certain things for food yeah you know and that's something we'll get back to but uh, i i would like to say uh just while we're talking about this transition um i don't want to liken uh hunter gatherers to monkeys <laughs> because oh no they were they were very smart people. humans humans have hunter gathered and semi hunter gathered all over the world from um from the second we became modern humans to right now right and probably into the future yeah and uh it's a pretty 
it's a pretty smart way to live. Uh, we'll get to later. Um, some philosophers who uh, and and just regular old people who think that it's the best way to live. Yeah, it's the um, natural way. But um, oh yeah, the, these were these were really smart people. Hunter gatherers were not were not monkeys. Um, they they were really smart. Um, and they had until recently we thought they spent most of their time hunter gathering. Um, yeah. But until you know now we believe that they had a lot of free time to do other things rather than just find food. So it wasn't a yeah, bad lifestyle. You, you know you have um, you have spots like Gobegli Tepe that are disputed, but around the time of hunter-gatherers and it, it, people argue whether this was made by a hunter-gatherer society or uh, a civilised agricultural society but I'm not smart enough to tell you the details on that um, <laughs> yeah. there's a guy called Graham Hancock he's written a book called uh, Magicians of the Gods that goes into it some of it's a little bit wacky. Some of it's, you know, History Channel at 4am. Yeah. But it it's interesting. It's a really good read. Gebegli Tepe. It's, I think it's in Turkey. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do remember you talking about that. Yeah, it's it's a topic that I, I, I bring up quite a bit. But, yeah. Um, so, that was the first major thing that changed how humans lived. Um, obviously, because you could have someone grow the food or, you know, feed the food that you'd eventually eat yourself. And that you could have division of labor. Um, you could have some people saying, right, I'm going to study the stars or create art or whatever else while the big person makes the food. And yeah. it's arguably um, the source of where we got class from yeah because you have um some people who can afford to not do any um food gathering yeah and do other things like like you say study the stars or run the town or be like a full-time warrior Mm -hmm. yeah you could have you could have separate jobs or it could be just as simple as well you guys get these houses but I grow the food, so I deserve a bigger house. Yeah. You know, it, it could have just been that simple, but you're right. This is where um, class and, uh, like, yeah, like I said, division of labor, different jobs, different people doing different things, um, which really helped uh, spark other ideas because people could spend a lot more time on becoming educated um, they could study the world around them a lot more. Uh, they wouldn't. They weren't so preoccupied with finding food or uh, looking for sources of food. And I guess um, they weren't necessarily as laid back because a lot of hunter gatherers, you know, as we were saying, um, could spend a lot of time chilling out, mm-hmm. but. I guess they would spend that time actually chilling out as opposed to trying to figure out new ways of uh, doing agriculture or whatever. Yeah. Because 
the amount of technology they had served them for basically all their needs mm -hmm. except you know maybe uh like health and stuff yeah because you wouldn't have um the best medicine necessarily. well this uh this is a good point because of this food surplus women were meant uh, were able to have a lot more children than they previously would have which caused a boom in population now it wasn't all good because of a lot of people were living together and you've got less sanit yeah, sanitary uh, it wasn't less uh, it was less hygienic sorry um, yeah. and living with animals a lot of the big diseases that we know today um, are, uh, supposedly arose from this sort of era where humans started living in close proximity to one another and to animals as well yeah so it, it wasn't all great um, but it obviously um, kick-started uh, civilization as we know it okay so uh, <sighs> what would you say is the next big advance um well i've gotten a few down i haven't written these in any sort of order um so the next one i've got down was the written word uh hash mm -hmm. slash the printing press because right yeah people writing shit Both. down quite quite distant from each other but uh, a very similar sort of effect on society yeah because you could have uh stored knowledge rather than just knowledge being passed down it made information and education a lot more accessible yeah um but also religion because um it was the bible was one of the first mass printed books yeah um but i think it was it was it a lot of the greeks um despised the written words they re they were really against it at the time they th um okay yeah I, this may be citation needed but i i suppose it depends which era of of greece yeah but yeah like i know um a a couple of the the big philosophers didn't really write anything down yeah socrates all you hear from him is what um like plato and aristotle wrote about him right it's not it's not his original work yeah that's we, interesting i don't think we have any text right from aris from from socrates yeah all. well they, they thought he that the written a chatter yeah well like us <laughs> it's, it's come we're back we're gonna burn this podcast once we finish recording yeah, it. yeah it's come back full circle of course, I just press the delete key on my on my computer. I don't, I don't physically burn anything, but it's the same idea. Oh no, I burn each computer wow. I use to record a podcast that, on. That must be expensive. It is, yeah, but it's Very... it's to preserve um, that lack of information mm. that I love so much. <laughs> Sorry, let's let's get back on topic. I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, it was it was fun. Um, yeah, so they, they thought that the written word would make people stupid. They wouldn't have to remember anything. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. That sounds like a very modern take. Um, so, they, you know, because everything was written down for them, they'd become lazy and stupid. So it's interesting how mm. uh, thinkers can have the same argument for certain things. You know, because yeah. I, I think like uh, 
the who was it that said um so when the printing press first came out and people were reading uh books a lot yeah i think it, there was a complaint that that youths spent all their time reading books rather than engaging in conversation yeah um and that is a is a perfect uh comparison to what people say about smartphones now well you have the same thing when novels come out in the sort of late 1700s or or sometime during the 1800s right um this kind of enjoyable story that you can read in a few weeks Mm -hmm. you know or in a few days if you really sped through it yeah (laughs) takes takes me weeks (sighs) at least but um yeah that these were kind of debasing um previous like narrative Mm -hmm. um formats yeah like the big old epics and stuff like that these ones are like dumbed down and they're made for like the commoner (laughs) oh right okay they're not yeah they're not uh and then the same thing happens with like newspapers right yeah when they were getting common people were like these newspapers are they're trashy they're they're really short and like they're keeping people from like talking to each other and then it happened again uh sort of with like the internet you know yeah so the the more access to information people have you hear these same sort of complaints Mm -hmm. over and over there's a there's a phenomenon called juvenavia i think i'm pronouncing that right okay um that is it it's the phenomenon that each generation has the same problems but in a different way they have the same complaints yeah. about the generation that comes before them and that comes after them but essentially yeah. they're the same problems there's this great uh youtube video i ran into called a history of everyone hating young people right and it's just like headline after headline after headline of people saying kids these days for about 200 (laughs) years i couldn't get through it (laughs) but it's true like yeah i i sometimes see myself doing it because these kids with these tiktoks and fortnite dances like we were just as weird to our parents as our kids are going to be to us and I think we were just as shallow as um, as we see as we think kids these days are. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> kids can be extremely shallow, but they're also very smart at the same mm-hmm. time. They're very malleable. Um, yeah, I think that would be the the point I would make. But then again, so are and, adults, and they're still yeah. But like kids are, I guess. A more exaggerated version. Of right. That, right, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Are, the brains. The brains are more plastic. Yeah, they're more squishy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kids are kids are valuable. And they're, uh, they're confusing. I can't even... Because obviously I'm, I'm getting to that age where I would really like children. But oh, yeah. Like, the idea of a whole little human being, that it, it's like the cookie cutter and then you you're the oven you know 
you're the person, well, not solely, but the, also the people around them. They're the people that are going to make that cookie cut of a human being into a person with political, religious, uh, all sorts of views that sometimes you have no control over. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they're going to come home one day from school and be like, I'm a conservative. And you're just going to go, oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) I want to invade Neo-Iraq, Daddy. (laughs) No. What have you been listening to on the Neuralink, son? Oh. He's been downloading that, that. That data straight to his brain. Yeah. Unfiltered. That's going to be a crazy time. What's your AI friend saying to you? Oh, no. He's a bad influence. You've been spending all that time in VR4. Just spend time in the real world. Where things are real. Yeah, VR3. That total immersion. Simulated reality. That's when shit's going to get real. But, uh... Yeah, I guess, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, that... No, it'll be unreal. It's real now. Yeah. Maybe. Sorry, that's when shit'll get really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you meant. It's, it's just a terrible choice yeah. of words. Sign me up, though. I'm all here for simulated reality. As long as I get to keep my physical self, all for it. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be downloading my brain. No. I want to come out of it at some point. Yeah, well, me and you, we I think we both um, subscribe to the idea that if you made a perfect copy of your brain, you know, you uploaded it bit by yeah. bit, that would be a new brain regardless of, like, how closely it resembles yours. Right. Yeah, can you know, like you can't. I don't think you can transfer a consciousness. No, can it's continuous consciousness theory. So yeah, the idea that if if the imagine your consciousness as a as a footpath that is continuous. As soon as you break that footpath and take it somewhere else, whether it's into a computer or uh, broken apart and put back together by teleportation, <clears throat> that's not the same consciousness. I'm convinced it would talk and think it was you, it would talk like you, it would act like you, it would be you, but it wouldn't be you. Yeah, I mean, um, like, have you seen The Prestige? Uh, no. Oh, you haven't seen movies? Have I'm you? not sorry, a movie person, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, The Prestige is a, a perfect uh, exploration of that idea. Right. There's, uh, um, it's a big spoiler, I guess. Uh, Dude, it's Maybe fine. I shouldn't spoil I'm, it. I'm never going <laughs> to watch this movie, so. Okay. Well, spoilers ahead for the prestige, everyone. Uh, there's teleportation in it. Right. Oh, and, I um, think you've, I think you've told me about this, where you can become yeah, trapped yeah. in sort of like a, a never realm. No. Oh. No, that's another thing. Oh, right. Okay. Oh. Please continue yeah, that's, then. Yeah, that's a cool story. Um. But yeah, uh, you. So this guy is basically doing a magic trick, the the transported man, and he's using this like teleportation device that Nikola Tesla made for it. <laughs> of course. Um, 
but really it doesn't actually teleport you it right. just makes a perfect copy of you mm-hmm. at the other end yeah but you're still there at the start so in order to um do this transported man trick right he has to kill the original guy every Ooh. time so each time this guy you know flicks the switch and it drops him into a like big tank of water and he drowns holy shit <laughs> and then at the other end is um him again but it's not him yeah oh wow uh, for all you can tell it's not him yeah. it's just a new guy well, and then that guy does the same thing for the next performance we'll say um say you were the first person to test out like you were the test dummy for uh, a teleportation device right and you stepped into right. this vat or whatever and the doctors told you that you were going to teleport five meters to the left or something and uh-huh. then your body is obliterated just crushed into pieces but before so you see yourself come out of the other end and shake you know you shake hands with the doctor and it, it's all proclaimed as a big success but you know that in that moment that it's not right and you're just completely obliterated into nothing yeah it's a scary thought we we don't have a have a grasp on what consciousness is i i get really funny about the idea of playing around with it i mean like every time we lose consciousness is that like a version of you dying yeah well do you only live for one day and then a new guy comes along who's experiencing things instead death is just sleep being shy that's all it is (laughs) no Sleep, sleep, no, sleep is just death being shy. I got that mixed oh. up, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not good with the words. But, yeah, um, we... I'm, I'm not totally subscribed to the idea that consciousness is just an, an arrangement of neurons, um, of complex information. I don't see how a consciousness can spring from that idea. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, I'm down on the idea that consciousness is a signal we get from somewhere um and once this body dies this this antenna will just our signal will just go towards another antenna or another body or a new life you could say yeah um, um that is not something uh, that, <laughs> that really like rings true with me but uh no, it's fair enough. Um, yeah, you're completely open to your own ideas. I'm not. I'm not trying to convince you either way. Um, yeah, I. I don't have a. A theory past sort of. Um, I guess the stream of consciousness thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. I think it's, a, one of the most confusing. Questions like about existence it is and it's why am i having this experience right now and where where did i come from Mm -hmm. why are you where am i gonna go what what the fuck yeah why is this not just like a a robot doing this Mm -hmm. why is yeah 
if it's evolution... Why am I seeing these things? If, if it's evolution that's created consciousness, what are the benefits for it? Why couldn't we just be these meat robots that eat, sleep, reproduce, and then die? Yeah. Um, well, maybe, maybe we kind of we kind of are, and consciousness is sort of what happens when enough uh, thinkiness is going on yeah. in the brain. <laughs> you, 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 I don't know what? because, like, does an insect experience? It's a good question. Animals, does especially a, domesticated, does bacteria experience domesticated animals or well some animals around us definitely seem to experience in a similar way to yeah us. i mean not exactly the same yeah. but like my cat i don't think i i don't have some sort of like human essentialism yeah point of view i think that other animals definitely um have like a consciousness going on mm-hmm. it's just like a bit less complex yeah but where does it start where yeah where does where does a group of carefully arranged cells stop becoming dead and start becoming a conscious thinking being Mm. yeah it's the it's the greatest question out there and it's right inside our head yeah Next time you're doing a walk or you're driving or just doing everything, just have a think. This question is here, right between, right behind your eyes. And it, it can freak you out sometimes. It's definitely freaked me out. Yeah. Um, but. I forgot what I was going to say. I, I definitely was going to say something. It's just gone. I, oh, this was it. Well, this this was oh. this was it. It's come back to me. Um, Go on. The the problem with human beings is if we don't understand something, then we just instantly dismiss it as magic. You see it in history all the time, you know. Yeah, which I guess that's part of the reason why I don't want to um, extrapolate too much from the weirdness of consciousness. Right. You know. I, I want to just look at what we understand from science and be like, hmm, make sure think. Okay. Would, would you... Rather than be like, that points to to this mystical yeah. thing going on. If you could choose that uh, to live in a world where consciousness has been sussed out and we do know the end-of-life questions about why we're here and why we're consciousness in the first place would you choose to live in an air uh, in a world where that's the case or would you choose to live in ignorance no I, i'd want that world you'd want a world especially where... so so say say it... yeah i i want to know but all this stuff say... it's just um i don't think we can say it came out that um consciousness is just a side project that your brain plays while it already decides what to do and the yeah. idea at free will isn't a real thing and you're not the master of your own body. Say that's the answer. Would you want to live in that world or, or live in ignorance where you feel like you make your own choices? Um, I don't think I've got a choice in it in that world. <laughs> <laughs> but in a sense, um, free will is a little bit of an illusion. Oh, it's because... 
It definitely is. It's definitely things yeah. are kind of determined just because if you know things like uh, yeah, your <laughs> causality basically is still happening when there's like a human being there. Yeah, it's just very very complex causality. Well, I can't remember who did it. Um, but he made an experiment where you put like a, 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 a like one of those hairnet things on with the electrodes and stuff so you can measure brain activity. And it's hooked up okay. to a little box with a light on it. And the light's a button, like a light. Um, and all you have to do is press the button before it turns on. But it's it's hooked up in such a way where it knows when your brain decides to touch the button. And your brain uh, always decides to touch the button before you physically or consciously act. So your yeah. brain has ho- already decided to push that button before you're even conscious of, conscious of it. Yeah. Well, I think... Um, yeah. <laughs> so... I, I'm trying to, like... There's a, a, an associated idea, right? Um, that we a lot of people will kind of justify their action mm-hmm. before they really think about um, why they might have done something. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a specific example, but I, I, I definitely experience it myself. Like, someone will ask me, like, why did you do this? And I'll start telling them, and then I'll be like, Wait a sec. No, I I just remembered there was actually this reason why I did. Yeah. You your brain can go. You on. see it in like court quite a lot. Like if you if details are introduced that weren't actually there. Yeah. Then the person telling the story will work that into yeah. the story and their motivations and create false memories that can be really vivid and really convincing to a person yeah um your brain can trick you there's definitely something to um our consciousness working in a way that uh, or or our decision making sort of working in a way that our consciousness isn't aware of yeah the two work in tandem but there's definitely something going on behind the scenes yeah, I mean, if uh, we should get back onto uh, technology, we're going really. a real bit fun off, discussion. Tra- off track. <laughs> I didn't because I want to get into like this left brain, right brain experiment. Okay, that was done with like a lobotomy, but it's nothing to do with technology. So we can talk about it when we do our consciousness. Episode right? Yeah, point. for sure, for sure. Consciousness is a favorite uh, topic of mine. I'm sorry to take yeah, you so we... far away, but oh, oh, it's cool. I could go on for ages yeah. about it as well. So, <laughs> so the next one that I have written down is a, okay. a another duality, uh, different times, but same sort of idea. Is the calendar and timekeeping? Um, so obviously we okay yeah we had the we had the Julian calendar, um, by Julius Caesar, very humble guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> in 46 BC and then the one we use today is the Gregorian calendar that I always thought was called the Georgian calendar for some reason but apparently uh, I'm just dumb so um 
it's an easy mistake. Yeah, so it was all to do with the way that leap days uh, and the Easter, the 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 rebirth of not rebirth, the resurrection of Christ worked, um, and Pope Greg. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, not Gregory. Well, it, just Greg. it was Gregory, but I'm going to call him Pope oh, okay. Greg. For, for, okay. For it's like. Uh, realized that we were celebrating Easter further and further away from the actual Sunday that uh, it happened on. So he he changed. I think we lost like 10 days. So you you woke up one one Monday. I went to sleep one Monday evening and woke up the following Wednesday. Uh, You lost like 10 days. So hopefully people got holiday pay um, for, for that little hiccup, but well, I assume this was uh, medieval times. Yeah, so there probably wasn't holiday pay if they got paid at all. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were probably paid with your right to, like, work this land. Yeah. That the duke or the king owns. Yeah, you were given shelter and maybe a little bit of food, and that was about it. But uh, yeah. Well, no, you gave them the food. Oh, of course. Yeah. And they probably taxed you as well. Would you be taxed the food, or would you be taxed money? Um, I'm not. I'm not keyed into. Yeah, uh, I think like through a lot of feudalism, yeah, you were just taxed the food. Right. But, uh, I'm not sure when exactly. Yeah. Or it was. It was money as well. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure when it was. There's been a lot of different like systems yeah, I th- and ways of doing it i guess i think the british monarchy tried to tax wind at some point um because farmers use what? it yeah so there was like fart in a bag no so they send they, it to a <laughs> no so they 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 figured out that windmills used the wind so they were like hmm, we're gonna tax you on the amount of wind that you're using oh because you get more production in windier areas yeah so it's like an advantage so they they tried to tax it obviously it was was uh wasn't very successful but yeah they they tried to tax wind which i think is quite funny nice so a- adopting the gregorian calendar allegedly was a big no-no in england um a lot of people didn't like it and there, apparently there was riots yeah. but this is disputed because they they think the riots may have been over exaggerated. Another. So when when was this exactly? So the Gregorian calendar was fifteen eighty two. Oh okay. So. Um. So yeah, apparently there was riots in Britain when they changed over, but uh, they apparently there were exaggerated stories of very you know a little bit cross people. Which uh, yeah. is reminiscent well, of today. Plenty of social upheaval <laughs> at the time yeah. in the fifteen uh, hundreds. Mm. So yeah, and it who knows? This goes on to the idea that it was a big change in how society worked when, especially when timekeeping, the the balance spring as it's called, was created because we no longer ate and slept when we were hungry or tired. We ate when it was time to eat. eat. Yeah. And we slept when it was time to sleep. So we we not only mechanised the world or mechanised time, we mechanised ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, uh, so 
is this so so there's um a theory about sleep right i'm sure you've heard it that uh people used to uh, across much of the world sleep in two sort of portions yeah they'd they'd have a first sleep they'd wake up in the middle of the night for like an hour or so mm-hmm. and then they'd go back to sleep and have their second sleep yeah so i wonder if this sort of um mechanization of time as as you sort of put it would have been where we kind of split from doing that in possibly possibly yeah i mean some societies especially in like hotter countries they have a a midday so they have a siesta don't they a siesta which sounds amazing i would love to do that um you just have a little midday nap around 2 3 p.m well that's part that's very much to do with uh because it's very hot yeah they they they, they, yeah because a lot of like manual labor jobs as well it's just simply too hot to work yeah um or too but of course it it is sort of recommended by sleep scientists that you do have a nap isn't it yeah it tends to lead to better nighttime sleep Mm -hmm. well yeah that sleep is very anecdotal i think some people thrive off the the 10 till 7 sleep um it's what i do i'll i'll go to sleep half nine ten o'clock and i'll get up at seven yeah. um it seems to work for me but then again i work like all day i have like quite a long shift i think for yeah. people that are on um like split shifts or people that work like from home and they work the hours that they want they or do office jobs yeah a bit less sort of demanding Mm -hmm. they'll probably benefit from taking a midday nap or having this like two sleep system yeah but um apparently apparently if you go camping out in the wilds it takes about two weeks for your body to sort of say okay i'm going to go back to my natural sleeping rhythm um where it sort of reads the sun and and the time of day depending on Mm. like the the light uh yeah, so that's um, that's must be very difficult to do because stuff like that is often sort of recommended, isn't it? Like, get your body mm-hmm. into a sort of uh, light-based natural rhythm. But um, yeah, if it takes two whole weeks to sort of naturalize yourself to that, then there's always going to be interruptions, isn't there, yeah. in the modern world? Yeah. You're going to have to, like, get up and take a phone call or, um, I don't know, you f- you forgot that you need to empty the bins tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's always going to be something. Or someone comes in and turns on all the lights because they work the night shift. Yeah. yeah, or, like, your partner gets up to use the loo at three in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I... The sleep cycle that we have now, def- I think, works for modern society. But it's interesting to to know that that rhythm, that sort of system, is still in us for for natural sleep. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, I have. Okay. Uh, well, you have. I I was gonna go. I I have a pretty 
a pretty good sleep time. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. I am very bad at <laughs> sleep. I woke up... Well, I I woke up to my alarm at around 12 today. Oh, okay. And then um, I hit snooze on my alarm for about an hour and a half oh, wow. every 10 minutes it was very bad what time did you it was a waste of time really what time did you go to sleep um about three half three. Oh right okay so you did stay up pretty late though but then again that's like that's like eight nine hours isn't it maybe a bit more um yeah so. okay um so sleep. So do we have any other oh, like we can move big advancements? Yeah. So, wow, this is taking quite a while. Um. So the the main one. So I had. What? How how many do you have I, there? I've got another five. Um. But oh, wow. I didn't expect. Well, us we can to... kind of shoot through them and like, uh, fo- you know, yeah. chat about them after we've kind of. Once you've talked about so, them, you know, so some have got some it. have got more to talk about than others. Um, I've got like the compass as one, and navigation. So obviously, oh, yeah. like led to globalization, new resources and trade. Well, um, I guess so. I I would put globalize or like the the discovery of the new world by Europeans. Yes. Yeah down to a fair bit more than navigational advances right because i feel like that we already had some fairly good navigation advances in in a lot of parts of the yeah, world some, like, they use the stars i'm not sure exactly um how they were but in china and the islamic world they were pretty good at that sort of stuff yeah it was it, it was a lot of star charts and um, sundials, I think. Um, yeah, but like the um, the Vikings were using compasses, and I think they might have got that from the exact the 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 Islamic world. I th- I think it might have been the Chinese that that sort of used the precursor to the modern compass, but I might be wrong. Yeah, I might be wrong. Um, so the next one was the steam engine and locomotion. Ah, yes. So this was probably the the kickstarter to centralization, I'd say. Um obviously the industrial revolution factories didn't need to be near a river anymore, they could be closer to markets or raw materials. Um yeah. So powered looms meant that skilled workers could be replaced by pesky robots. Um, and that, in, you know, meant that women and children could work in factories, and we obviously know child labour is bad. <laughs> um, I say bring it back. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get the children. Do it again. Let's get them TikToking. They have a right to work. Well, you know, if you have a child who gets to open a load of toys and you record that and put it on YouTube, you can make a shit ton. Child labour. You can make a shit ton of money. You know. Yeah. And who gets to keep that money? Hmm. Yeah, not very often someone else manages their accounts no. for them. If uh, it's sort of the same with like child actors, yeah. isn't it? They can be quite exploited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I 
got older and I realised that my YouTube channel money was being spent on BMWs and uh, trips to the Bahamas, I wouldn't be too happy. No. So, I'd want... That's going to my college fund so I can get a degree that won't get me a job. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, at least... At least I would have got to open a load of cool toys in my time. True. And some toys nowadays are so fucking cool. Like, do you not get jealous sometimes of the stuff that kids get to play with nowadays? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know any older kids, really. No? I, I just know, like, two-year-olds... And their toys are fucking lame. Uh, that's fair. They've, like, <laughs> don't you find it weird when you see a two-year-old with like a, a fake iPhone? <laughs> oh yeah, my niece has oh, one. It's a little bit disconcerting. I don't like it. Now, I'm not saying that it's not wrong, not right for your niece, but... Well, I mean, they see the adults around them playing with their phones all the time. Yeah. And they get jealous. And then you're like, no, you can't mess with my phone. Because I I doubt you care about this article I'm reading <laughs> on the internet. Like, play with your fake phone, yeah, please. Yeah, it's bright colours and... Yeah. Um, like, dings at you occasionally. Yeah. Well, our one talks to you. Does it actually? Or, or her one. What does it say? Yeah, you press a button and it goes, Hello, oh. it's nice to hear from you. That's exactly how I talk on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. <laughs> Welcome to the Zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, if you're if you're there listening from your uh, plastic iPhone, subscribe. Uh, I I would say no children subscribe. That's maybe well, R eighteen. No offense it. to children, but uh, well, I. I've tried to put the explicit rating on Spotify. Oh, you've <laughs> tried. Sure how to do it. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, I've I've put the warning up because okay. we do swear. We we we, do. we talked about scalping. We did. You know. Yeah. Um, that was a fun time. Parental guidance. Maybe you should put a disclaimer podcast. at the start before we uh, before we finish up. <laughs> but um, this is the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of parents don't know what their children are doing with those iPhones. No. Um, if uh, Sam, we we keep going so oh, far. Off okay, I've got so much I want to talk about. Okay, that really concludes my very important inventions list. Uh, I've got the computer, which is self-explanatory. Um, that yeah, the rise of information technology. Yeah. People got scared of it around 1999, but it turned out to not be much. Um, and then I had, like, vaccines and germ theory, which, again, I'm sure you know how, how that changed changed the people. Yeah. You know, penicillin. Yeah, vaccines have saved, I have no idea how many lives. Yeah. But p- potentially billions, mm-hmm. I would say. Possibly. I mean, I mean, it's been, it's been, when were they invented? Like, 200 years ago? Vaccines. It's, yeah, well, it was germ theory in 
like so it was the 1840s which germ free theory was first put forward um, right so vaccines okay. maybe a little bit after that so maybe yeah uh, maybe the 1860s or 70s maybe or maybe the- yeah so it's been a, a good while and um there's been a lot of people in that time yeah and uh some some awful diseases which some of we've almost completely eradicated yeah. like polio and some new ones like covid <laughs> yeah and uh hiv i guess yeah well um it was i will come back to it but what the nobel prize in in uh in medicine this year was the discovery of the hepatitis c uh bacterium because they they cured it didn't they for the first time this year oh yeah which is super exciting it's really good yeah that's really cool um so you you'll find that with a lot of these nobel prizes they they don't necessarily award it to the people that um finish a topic they they usually give it to someone in the middle if that makes sense um yeah someone who um makes a big step forward i guess yeah. towards a goal yeah but um but we'll get back to that i want to i want to let you talk for a bit um so okay. let's go through some ideas that you have yeah um so would you like to learn about the people who uh, hate technological progress and the people who think technological progress will um, save us all. Go for it. Okay. Are these the same people? Because that is very hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They're, they're definitely not the same people. Right. Um, although I think people from all across the political spectrum have ideas relating to both of these uh, sort of ways of thinking. Okay. Um, so let's talk about primitivism. Right. Um, a lot of people see history and technological advancement as sort of decline in freedom and living standards. Right. So, for instance, the agricultural revolution created class right yeah it created hierarchies um which is sort of the beginning of like coercion uh alienation from each other and um kind of the start of like large-scale wars stuff like that yeah i think tribalism is is inbuilt into humans though um i don't think being in big groups uh, change that it definitely it made the groups bigger for sure i mean there was definitely wars between hunter gatherers yeah oh yeah, definitely well like i say uh, it, it, it's inbuilt into us with you know it, it it's like like red and blue politics it's brexiteers versus ramona's it's um mcdonald's versus burger king something about us wants to pick yeah. a side but um well um some some sorts of tribalism like nationalism 
I I would argue don't really exist unless you have something like a nation. Oh yeah, right. Um, and also some social upheaval to like cause people to to cling to their side and blame an other. Right? Yeah. When you're living in this uh, primitive sort of state, you you don't necessarily have those motivators. Yeah. You still um, you still want to look out for the group of people that you belong to though. Um but you you your your brain isn't designed for a tribe of 8 billion people. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh I guess that's where some primitivists are coming from. There's that sort of chronological primitivism that I was describing, mm-hmm. history is a decline. And then there's cultural primitivism which is uh, the idea that you sort of need to return to a simple life like all of us do right. in order to have happy lives and to, uh, I guess, get rid of the problems that we face in the world. Okay. Um, and I, there's also anarcho-primitivism is the kind of, well, the anarchist sort of strain of this idea. Uh they want to get rid of like specialization, the division of labor, mm. as you were talking yeah. about, and uh, large-scale organization technologies in general. So that I guess that would be chronological primitivism. Right. Okay. Uh, so that would be things like nations, institutions, like um, everything from like a library to a corporation. Right. Uh, religions like organized religion Mm -hmm. so you'd be switching back to sort of local religions i guess small scale societies like uh so traditionally sized groups of people like yeah tribes of like a hundred people would kind of organize together and live in their own little groups um yeah the and i Part of this is also deindustrializing because people look at like the natural world mm-hmm. and they see um, it being destroyed by sort of modern society. Yeah. And uh, deindustrializing would be the way to deal with that and allow us to return to like a simple life. Yeah. They. Um, you can see, I'm sure you can see the many issues. Uh, <laughs> that i can see right, yeah with this ideology i can i can vibe with it though there's definitely yeah um there's definitely things we can learn from uh ancient society um yeah i think they they see some very good points like some big issues mm-hmm. and i guess a couple of like they're looking in some of the right directions for how to solve them yeah like I think in some ways um we do need to sort of abandon the idea that we need to grow forever yeah like, economically this endless growth it, it's not sustainable yeah. it it's definitely not but the problem is there's and I know like economic growth is is a hard topic but population growth yeah. now is a very tricky subject I don't know any good ideas to lower the global population there's ideas of making it plateau um but not to drastically reduce the amount of people in a in a good way 
so population growth, I think, um, for our society right now and for um, any sort of realistic society we would have in the future mm. isn't really an issue. We have right now 7 billion people, right? Yeah. Going up to 8 billion somewhere soonish. Mm-hmm. Um, and we produce enough food for something like 10 or 12 billion people. Right. But people are starving. Yeah. Where do you think the issue is there? Do you think it's numbers or do you think it's distribution? Um, what, with the amount of people? Yeah. Do you think people are starving because we don't make enough food if we make too much food? No, it's... You know? It's one, it's, um, again, like economic pressure. There's the, There's no money to be made in feeding starving people as heartless as that sounds um yeah the a lot of the developed world hasn't got the logistics um to produce or distribute food uh, economically or profitably so people just don't bother and as horrible as that sounds it, it it's not that the earth can't feed and happily ha- happily uh you know uh sustain the amount of people it's it's just we're greedy meat with like yeah so with, with meat with um, meat especially like people don't need to be fucking eating so much meat you don't need it three times a day you just don't yeah um so meat being a luxury product would definitely make a big difference and let's start eating more plant-based foods maybe having yeah once or twice a week maybe once or twice a month um and and the amount of food that we feed our food we can then give that to people that are starving that would be but so i guess what i'm trying to say oh, is go on. why are people starving right people are starving because it suits the interests of those in yeah power it, it, it suits yeah exactly it, it so it's not a population issue no it's a distribution and organizational issue. yeah yeah i would i'd agree with you there but it's it's totally solvable i think where the population would be an issue is if you did try for like a primitivist society in any way because it, to get rid of technology or industry it, uh, in a mass scale would necessitate billions starving to death. Yeah. I don't think people, modern day people, could go out and find their own food. I definitely couldn't. Yeah. Not sustainably. I, I imagine that a primitivist would say uh, this would be a gradual process. Right. But I... I I don't see any way back, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, people will not abandon their luxuries. No. People like iPhones too much. Um, yeah. I can definitely... So it's it's a kind of nice... Uh, it's an interesting idea. Mm. And I guess it's a nice dream yeah. for people. But uh, I think what's more likely is a sort of symbiosis between the human world and the natural world. Rather than going yeah. back to it completely. Um, 
I mean, I like a lot of sort of solar punk ideas. Right. Sort of, as you say, the symbiosis. Green cities. Um, and... Yeah, creating a future where um, we work in tandem with nature. Yeah. You know, we'd have like greenways over roads mm-hmm. or train train tracks or whatever. Yeah, vertical farms or vertical gardens on the side of buildings. Yeah, and... limiting the amount of space that we take up because at the moment we're we're chopping down more and more trees. Yeah. We need palm oil. Farmland where we, we don't really need to. Mm. You could use less farmland yeah. by uh, making things more efficient and eating a bit less meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We have to shift away from like using things that stay around forever as well. Things like plastics and um, fossil fuel. Well, not fossil fuels, but like hydrocarbons and things things yeah. that don't go anywhere and if things eat because have you seen like those birds that eat plastic and then uh, yeah their stomachs are full of it like it's heartbreaking when you see it but it's and then bigger animals eat them and it concentrates in yeah you know predators the... which is awful for them and then that causes more um their prey animals to like uh, growing population way too much yeah. and then they eat all the plants yeah it's just a massive destabilizer i was i was gonna say something i've lost my train of thought again oh. Sorry. no it's fine and um, there was a there was a, an argument on the news yesterday i think where they were thinking i think there's a proposal to reintroduce wolves back into uh the british countryside yeah, they've been trying it with lynxes, haven't they? I, I don't know. In Scotland. Oh, right, okay. And the, I think there's definitely an argument to have a predator animal in the ecosystem. Yeah. Because, like, especially with rabbits, Britain's tried to control... And deer. Yeah, Britain's tried to control the, the rabbit population with moxes, hasn't it? So you see, like, these rabbits all going around, like, ill as fuck. Right. Um, is it myxomatosis? It's like, it's like a... I don't know. Yeah, it's a human-manufactured disease that was designed to control the rabbit population because rabbits don't really have that many predators left in, like, the British countryside. Yeah, they're also an invasive species, yeah. aren't they? They're not native to Britain. and uh, Are they not? I didn't know that. They do very well here. Yeah, they're no. not. Um I can't remember where they're from originally, but not here. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? You don't think of them no. as not native, but... Yeah, because obviously we have, like, grey squirrels. They're... they're, uh, they're yeah, everyone knows species. they're invaders. Um, yeah, was it somewhere introduced frogs? But then the frogs got everywhere, so they actually introduced lizards to eat the frogs. I can't remember. This It may be complete bullshit, but... Um, yeah, the way we, the way humans okay. mess with uh, natural ecosystems is really bad. Yeah, it's in some ways it's inevitable, but I guess we, uh, we, we got to be careful. I guess, mm-hmm. and um, humans also use our technology and our skills to really help yeah. ecosystems. You know, I I watch some Spring Watch. My parents are quite 
quite yeah. big into Spring Watch in autumn. I, I love it. Well, and I liked it. You see, go on. Oh, you watch it. Too, I, I used I used to watch it a lot when Bill Oddie yeah. was on it. Uh, yeah, and then obviously Our, he, uh, he got, Chris Packham's taken. It. Yeah, he is. And, it's good um, fun. And Kate. Yeah. Kate, what's her face? Well, she she's been <laughs> on it for a long time, hasn't she? Yeah. Um. But yeah, you see so many successes on that. It it's it gives you a little bit of hope yeah. that if we're allowed to, humans can really benefit the ecosystem. I I think the problem is, I, it, the majority of humans, if not all humans, do genuinely care about the natural world. the The problem comes when now we're so far removed from that; it's easy to forget that we're ruining it, ruining it. From the comfort of my nice house with the heating on, you know, and my diesel van on the driveway, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to forget that all the things around me are destroying the natural world. You know, the things I eat. But you can't. You can only do so much about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you're right. Like you could maybe cut down on driving and eating certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the overall incentive system is set up so that people will exploit resources yeah. you know um uh, what are they call yeah. poachers right. poachers poach because you make money from yeah. it um you know we have all these people in in parts of africa who fight poachers they have shootouts with yeah. them and uh when poachers die you know, you see, you see it on the news sometimes. People will be like, "Oh, hooray, serves them right." Yeah, but they are a lot of them are just doing that to feed their families. Yes, yeah. yeah. But what I want to know is who who the fuck is still buying elephant tusks? You know, <laughs> who who do you think? Rich people who who want to yeah. swing their dick around. Yeah. Um, and we should just eat the rich. I think is that what that's what this uh, popular, uh, this podcast is coming to. Eat the rich, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down for it. Let's change the name. <laughs> uh, we could call it like the uh, the money heist, yeah. but from the rich. The, the way the way our the, the way our society <laughs> set know. up is. It, it tricks you into thinking you need more all the time. You need more money. You you need a better iPhone. You need more clothes. Oh, yeah. You know, you need more of this and that when, like, no, you're enough. It's enough to just be here and to be warm and not have to worry about being eaten by a lion. Like, yeah. you know, if you've got a roof over your head and you, you're well-fed and well-watered, then you, you, everything else is a bonus. But like, at some point, you're gonna have to buy a new iPhone because of manufacturing. Yeah, it's at some point, but not every six months. Yeah, you know, some people I know people that will buy an outfit and wear it once. You know, the amount of plastic and the amount of hydrocarbon that's in that outfit just gone to waste for for one yeah. night. It's a, it's an issue. 
Okay, so now that I've converted you to uh, become like an eco-terrorist, <laughs> uh, a narco-primitivist, I'm now going to convert you to be an accelerationist. Okay. This is where we shoot past all the shit so we can solve all the world's problems. Is that right? S- sort of, yes. Yeah. Um, well, there's a f- there's quite a few different takes on this. Okay. Um, the word is used for a lot of different things. Uh, I've kind of identified four main ones. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll sort of lead you through. So... Wikipedia says accelerationism involves the idea that capitalism and its associated processes should be accelerated instead of overcome in order to generate radical social change. Capitalism will do that, will it? I'm I'm already (laughs) sceptical. But go on. Well, so... Um, I guess I guess a lot of accelerationists want to do. They want more out of out of society than than we're getting under the current order, right? So it's a way of transforming society, mm. and normally, how you how a lot of sort of philosophies suggest doing that is to sort of overcome fight against the current order right okay so to oppose capitalism or to oppose imperialism and so forth right um and this is the opposite we should make capitalism do more capitalism uh any imperialism should be accelerated um any sort of like neoliberal reform that you want to do like uh reduce taxes for the ultra wealthy should be embraced in order to create a sort of collapse of this society and and bring forth something new right so um the sort of normal right-wing version of this is to intensify capitalism to increase technological development and possibly bring about some sort of singularity. Right, okay. So they have a sort of faith that capitalism um, is a source of progress uh, and that that progress is inherently good, right? Right. Technological development is inherently good and if you do enough of it, it'll it'll create yeah. a better society yeah. than than current uh sort of capitalist democracy so you, you give elon musk all the money yes and uh he'll fix the world yeah okay he'll he'll do a sort of bioshock except it works yeah. well <laughs> i think a lot of that assumes that the ultra rich want to make a difference which some of yeah. them do but some of them don't. I don't think billionaire yeah. oil tycoons want to see the end of oil. Exactly. Um, um, I th- And it also assumes that technological development will always be a good right. thing. But so it can 
go in different ways. Yeah. Uh, you, depending on where you put your resources, you could get um, better nuclear weapons or you could get better medicine. Yeah. Or you could create um, like a wonder drug that cures a certain disease or a wonder drug that makes people really high and the the ultra rich really want to buy it so you make a bunch yeah. of yeah um sometimes it's a it's a double-edged sword though right because the nuclear program also in part led to the the space program ish like the rocketry and yeah weapon development yeah. so yeah definitely. sometimes there has to be bad intentions to have good effects question mark mm. um it's not or there's there's unintended good yeah. effects that's um that's quite a popular idea in economics that uh trade or or sort of economic action in general even if it's sort of greedy and self-centered can have a lot of unintended good effects right like people will make more money altogether in a society um well i can definitely get behind the idea that capitalism uh encourages technological progress because uh, man i've been there i've been there in the shower thinking what product can i make you know that means i can retire next week yeah (laughs) (laughs) because you want the monies yeah, but it definitely um, shifts technological progress in a certain direction, a money making. Yeah, direction. exactly. It we need. Do you think we can achieve a big cultural shift where people want to to make things, uh, not because of the money, but because they're going to make a difference? Not that those people are already um, around, because there are definitely some of them. Yeah, I think people do care in general. Right. And people who are creative do want to make cool stuff that benefits people. But obviously, there's that incentive there. Yeah. You have to earn a living. And it would be better to earn a living from your cool invention than to, like, make your cool invention in your shed while you're working at Mackey's or um, FedEx or whatever. It's hard to change the world when you're worrying about what's in the fridge. You know, yeah. Um, if you haven't got the money to sustain yourself, you need to work. So you can't put the time and effort into these ideas. Okay, so here's uh, the sort of left-wing general uh, accelerationist idea. Right. I I think um, a lot of left-wingers want to repurpose and develop tech for socially beneficial and emancipatory ends so that's that's the idea that you get technology to work for the good of people right i guess sort of like we've just been saying um instead of to make as much money as possible yeah if you just if if we focus on developing new technology but from a socially beneficial sort of direction 
then it will cause a transformation in society in yeah. general where people will be more empowered. So you've got like 3D printers. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Anyone can have a little factory at home. Um, the internet, a lot of internet advancements have been developed in a sort of uh, anarchistic uh, thinking. Right. So, like, Wikipedia, right? It's, like, completely free yeah. for everyone to use. It's this vast source of information. Um, a lot of early websites were developed along those lines. Yeah, I think it's a um, big... Uh, it's a big pillar of the internet as well, freedom of information, and that everyone yeah. should have access to these things. Net neutrality um, is is really important. We should never give that up. Yeah. Um, and a, a, a similar thing, like file sharing on the internet is can be quite sort of beneficial mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. Right? So it's not just like music, but you can share PDFs mm-hmm. that have been photocopied that you'd otherwise have had to pay for um, for like you know books that you need for your uni project yeah or just information in general or just like a, a new book that you really wanted to read but you're kind of poor so yeah or you've got a pirate going thing. back to 3d printing you can get schematics for things like um synthetic limbs or um i think people have made like face masks covers that yeah you can 3d print where you'd otherwise have to have this big supply chain yeah to be able to do that and uh and these things can be quite expensive so yeah i yeah. I, I see i see that point i guess it, it it sort of depends on whether you put your trust in the ultra rich to change the world or the general public to change the world yeah either are quite terrifying <laughs> um I think um, local people sort of supporting each other, um, mutual support networks, I I find it hard to think of them as a bad thing. I suppose you could use them as a bad thing. Right. Yeah, well, like, the problem I see with um, entrusting the rich or the 1% to change the world is the fact that it's the 1%. You know the, yeah. the the odds that one of those people is going to have the the means to uh, fix the plastic problem or to fix the world water problem is quite low. Whereas if you have a million people, well, a, a billion people on that yeah. problem, you empower those people to be able to um, make new advancements. Yeah. The odds are quite that's quite a lot better, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, you have to acknowledge that it's not normally just one person who makes a big advancement. It's a whole team of scientists. And if it is one person, it's because they've um, got their ideas or or they've used advancements of past thinkers and, and scientists and engineers yeah elon musk wouldn't to come up with something he wouldn't be able to get to mars without a team of like hundreds of people behind him so 
money yeah. he wouldn't be able to get to mars without the advancements of nasa no. a government yeah. agency you know that the, the government gave big handouts yeah. to the the money argument isn't the be all and end all because you also need a team of people that are educated enough and um yeah are just educated enough to uh, get behind you on a certain idea or a certain problem you know you might have yeah. one person that is the financial aid but you also need hundreds of people that are smart enough to to fix these problems yeah and uh so educating people is also a big issue you know a big a big thing that drives progress yeah definitely i think uh yeah yeah <laughs> i i completely agree <laughs> i think the more educated a society generally the um more sort of advancements they mm-hmm. will make and the better people's lives will be in yeah general, I ed- think. Edu- and probably the more the more democratic that society will be as yeah. well right yeah because people are more informed um yeah they don't have to listen to jeremy vine on itv or whatever um to get their opinion they can make it up on their own yeah you can think critically and you're not sort of led by just any old sort of catchy phrase mm-hmm. like make america great great again <laughs> without any sort of argument no or to conversation to actually make it better yeah so so um yeah i i think i i can definitely see where this perspective works mm-hmm. but i think um i think it's quite it's a bit too sort of hopeful um <laughs> maybe that's not the right word but um the idea that all that needs to happen is for the people who care to focus yeah. on making better tech for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's enough to sort of um, save us from, from every societal no. issue or, or to even sort of get that much power to, um, the, the masses I yeah suppose. you you because there's always going to be that fight back from the top yeah there's always going to be like a new sort of copyright claims there's that whole thing at the moment um where people with like phones and um other similar tech i there was a really recent article uh not article uh sort of news headline about it uh I can't remember what it was though. It was like the switch or something. Right. Um, people were being sued for editing their own technology. Oh. You know, like oh, so if you change getting a custom right. OS and stuff right. like that. So it's not. It doesn't count as your thing, yeah. even though you own yeah. it. It. It's a really tough argument. Like I was trying to tell, like me and Rianne were talking about this the other day. She was about to buy a film on Amazon, like a digital yeah. copy, which is something that I'm against. Because even though you buy it, you don't own it. If Amazon decided to take that film off of their platform for whatever reason, there's nothing you can do legally to, to keep that film. 
You have no yeah. rights to it apart from you can just watch it whenever you want. You don't actually own anything. Um, yeah. So, so I think it's quite... Although it, it can be freeing to have these new technologies, um, that freedom can be limited yeah. by, I guess, uh, the bigger power structures mm -hmm. and, and things like big companies. Yeah. But th there's also, like, going back to uh, advancements and stuff, there's also outliers, people that sort of pop out of the ether, you know, like Stephen Hawking or um, Albert Einstein, that they they wouldn't have necessarily made the differences in their in their fields without education. You know, it, it wasn't yeah. the money that they had behind them that allowed them to change the world. It was... Um, well, I don't really know. They had something special, obviously, but they needed to be educated. Yeah, they had. I mean, they had access to the facilities and the education that they needed in order to do these things. Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about either of their lives. No, I think. Um, but you know, just being at like in a academic environment, you're surrounded by other experts. Mm -hmm. You can back and forth about things. Um. Yeah. If it was just you, like, reading some books somewhere that you'd, like, stolen from the local library, <laughs> I don't think you could do as well as Stephen Hawking or Albert no, Einstein no. did. Even if you were them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm, I often wonder, like... You had their brain. Like, where where yeah. or who the next uh, great person is going to be. They might even be already around. They're just not getting media attention just yet. Or, you know, they might be a, well, a child. What if the next great scientist is a woman living in Nairobi yeah. who has five kids and um, has to, like, work yeah. uh, 12 hours a day? <laughs> you know? yeah. She's never going to get that opportunity to be the next great it's scientist. True. That's true, and that's where, like, uh, bringing the developing world up to spec will really shine and and ending these real problems. Yeah. So, it, it's like... So, the, the Nobel Prizes this year... Um, uh-huh. So, there was really two that stood out that I wanted to talk about um, for different reasons. But there was the Nobel Prize in Physics this year... Um, was awarded to, and I hope I'm uh, pronouncing these right, it's Sir Roger Penrose and Professor Reinhard Genzel. Um, okay. Oh, and Professor Andrea, name. yeah, Andrea Gez, I think. Gez? G-H-E-Z? Um, so it was there to their sure. contribution of uh, black holes. So... Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously was this the little picky that we got so it wasn't the picture um, but that was a big part of it it was actually um, they were the people to prove there was a supermassive black hole in the centre of the Milky Way ah um, so they sort of it's hard to explain but the, the picture of the black hole that we got last year 
wasn't definitive proof of their existence. Um, um, yeah, okay. it, obviously with everything that's big space and wibbly wobbly, it's uh, a little bit hazy. But they, through mathematics and observations, they were able to prove definitively that black holes exist. Um, and it was interesting because obviously black holes were first predicted in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and so it's taken 70 years to go from something mathematically plausible to actually proven in the real world. Yeah. Um, a similar thing was with the Higgs boson, which was predicted in the 60s as well, and uh, was discovered about eight years ago now. So it's we're living in a time where things are predicted and then discovered quite quickly within like a generation. Hmm. I think it, it definitely depends on the field, but uh, yeah, it's interesting how theory gets so ahead of the practice, I guess, mm-hmm. in um, in stuff like physics. Yeah, because we have these models for things now, don't we? So we have like general relativity and stuff that can sort of simulate these the predictions and stuff. Yeah, um, things like the big, uh, not the Big Bang episode one throwback. Um, <laughs> things like the black holes. Yeah. So, and uh, and the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. I wanted to talk to you about this because it was for uh, CRISPR gene editing. Ooh. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously, the the big things, the big pros for it, are obviously treatments for disease. Um, we can. Uh, manipulate crops to give higher yields we can yeah see what happens when we turn genes off or insert new gene sequences um but my mind instantly goes to a race of super rich superhumans <laughs> that are, uh, are gonna run the world while the rest of us plebs are um left behind yeah um i th- I think like any technology it can be used for a lot of different things it's neutral in and of itself but yeah it's what we do it can be yeah yeah it depends what sort of uh i I guess value framework you you put it into right would you would you be first in line for gene editing or would you be um would you be i wouldn't be back? first in line but right. uh i could i could definitely get some gene edits mm. you know yeah um i mean i i have shin splints so uh yeah. i i want some um some shin healing powers <laughs> that would be good and then i can run again that would be cool well they... uh i i could stand to be a bit taller i suppose mm-hmm um, well, this give is me it. wings while you're at it. Wing, wings I'll have some wings. Cool. wings. But also, cool. it would be great to um, sort of enhance your brain and uh, yeah, be able to live for like centuries. Well, you know, if if we get to that before I die, I'm definitely in line for that. Well, this is where Neuralink comes in as well, right? If if it fulfills all the things that Elon Musk promises. The, the way in which we communicate, the way in which we like 
store and consume information is going to be changed dramatically. Yeah. You know, the the thing is, you're already a cyborg, right? You've got your phone. Any piece of information that you could possibly want is on there. Yeah, it's like a sixth sense, isn't it? Yeah. Like, there's an emotional attachment as well. You know when you see a video of someone smashing their phone by accident, you're like, oh, it hurts. Yeah. It's like watching someone lose a limb. Um, well, the... you kind of feel naked without them, don't you? You do, yeah. You're like, when your phone breaks, you're, you're sort of like, oh, I should Google that. Oh, no, wait. Yeah. Or I wonder what my friends... Are... No, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's like when your phone's on 1%. You, sh- you start panicking. It's almost yeah. as if you, th- you know... You'll you... have... It's like having your eyes removed or your yeah. ears cut off. So the the only problem with phones is the bandwidth, right? You can only you can only get information as fast as your thumbs can type. Yeah, which is quite slow. Really slow. Like compared with some other methods of inputting information. Yeah. Like using an actual keyboard. Oh. Oh, I miss it so much. Clickety clackety. <laughs> um, but or using your brain, I guess. In the yeah, future. your brain can like when you read, your brain takes that information in almost instantly. Um, mm. You know, when you see words on the page, if you could do that with, say, a Wikipedia article, and you could be like, "Hmm, I wonder why, how, I don't know, a steam engine works," and then it's instantly in your brain, and you un- all, all of a sudden understand how a steam engine works. Yeah. Because of a chip that can relay that information to you instantly. The output would be good as well. You could um, sort of type stuff before you could even say it. Yeah. You, know? you could, instead of Or the speed using... that you say things. Yeah. You, you, could, um, you could communicate not just in words. You can communicate in ideas and, and feelings. You know, some sort of like superhuman emoji... I could send you, <laughs> I could send you my sadness emoji, and you wouldn't just see it as sadness; you'd feel it. Right. Um, so that side of it's exciting. Yeah, that is total transhumanism at that stage. Yeah. Um, and then again, we get into time, you know, sort of sorts of like downloading consciousness and stuff, which I'm not on board with. But there's a there's a there's a like a Goldilocks zone in the middle that sounds incredible yeah um I, i'd definitely be first in line for a Neuralink. sign me up to that shit because <laughs> i don't know i reckon the first generation they'll realize like oh no the lithium leaks into your brain eventually oh, and you get alzheimer's at like 30 years old yeah the the security on those things would have to be top-notch as well They'd have to. It'd have to be uncrackable, because I wouldn't yeah. like the idea of walking around with a chip in my head that could possibly control how I think and feel. Yeah, but being I mean, in the hands as of you were saying, else. the where you can send emotions to other people—that's exactly that, right? Yeah. Even if you like have to opt in, um, it controls how you feel for a second. Yeah, and you know. And so, someone with bad intentions could make you feel really bad. Yeah, or make Poss- you feel like uh, 
sending all your money to yeah. the Nigerian prince, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But you're going to get your money back, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I'll give you, like, all all my money as soon as you send me yours. I promise. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, th- this is where it goes into, like, simulated reality reality right this this um totally undistinguishable virtual reality from our own my my belief is that's why we don't see life beyond our our planet right the, the great silence we don't the we fermi don't, paradox yeah because they get to a point where they're like fuck we can simulate the best nightclub in the universe and we can be there for years perceivably years when it's actually minutes so let's just yeah. fuck off into this computer what's the what's the point in reaching outwards when we've got like the best reality possible inside our head but don't you think that a lot of people are still driven by um sort of ambition or achievement of some kind people would want to affect material reality and learn more about it right even if you could do like crazy mega hedonism yeah i think there's definitely an argument for both the zeitgeist uploading your consciousness to our smart fridge I said I had four sort of subtypes of accelerationism or yeah, tendencies. Yeah, and I rudely interrupted you halfway through. No, 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 you, you totally didn't. We were, we were chatting about the first two, basically. Yeah. Um, and this this is a conversation we're having, so don't it worry. Is. So <laughs> you didn't really interrupt me. So we had the first one where it's all about giving more to the people and the second one where it's more about giving more to the to the 1%. So I'm interested to see the other two or to hear the other yeah. two, sorry. Okay. So the other two are um, more the idea that you can use capitalism to... And, and I guess modern society in general to um, destroy itself and create something new. Uh, not, but but in a sort of... Um, does that make sense? Does that sound different from the first two um, to you? So the idea that people are going to get so angry with cap- capitalism, they'll, um, they'll make a new-ism. Yeah, yeah partially. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, there's I'll I'll say the right wing one first because it's it's kind of boring. Okay. Um, so it's a kind of a new thing that's come about in the last sort of decade, is um, this right sort of far right accelerationism where they want to cause a crisis um, or cause crises and to inflate like racial tensions and just generally contribute to societal collapse right um in order to allow them to build like a white ethno state or that sort of thing oh which sounds terrible <laughs> yeah it sounds 
pretty pretty damn awful. Yeah. But this is a fairly substantial movement in terms of its effects on on the world. Right. Um so I thought I'd mention it. Yeah. Uh for instance the Christchurch shooter in New Zealand. Right. His manifesto mentioned a lot of this sort of stuff. The idea that you got to um push forward all this crisis and get people angry at each other. Um I guess in some ways it's sort of what um some islamicist terrorists want to do right like they want to um cause conflict uh in order to make the west in general and sort of the great satan of of america yeah uh, attack them and look like the bad guys so that the islamic world will rally around them Mm -hmm. rather than try to just get on with their lives yeah yeah Um, so it's a similar thing but from a yeah i can't say i agree with (laughs) the idea of uh forcing change through violence um yeah uh, this is definitely a very extreme point of view mm -hmm. uh and i am not into heightening sort of tensions between people in general like race or or religion or whatever yeah so that sounds pretty awful <laughs> so uh you've got one more to, to yes to i do um it's something you've been kind of uh touching on i think right in this conversation just um from a left-wing perspective but a a more uh i guess revolutionary Uh, way of doing things Uh, the idea that if you heighten the contradictions of the current system you you ramp up capitalism and uh, you know destructive wars sort of imperial things uh, inequality in general it's gonna create massive demand for social change and that would mean that people sort of want to build new uh more liberatory institutions right um a couple of notable examples of this the thinker slavoj zizek who i've mentioned to you uh once or twice okay he's the guy who's he likes contradicting everyone's point right, of view. Right, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the sake of contradicting them. Well, I mean, that's how it appears, but I think he's he seems smartish, but he comes out with all this wild stuff. So, um, before the like Hillary Trump election, he suggested everyone should vote Trump. Oh, right. Uh, even though he's a kind of socialist thinker. Because if you get Trump in, then he's going to cause the sort of... Yeah. Um, the the inequality to increase and these contradictions of capitalism to heighten so that people realise that they they want more from, from their system and to sort of fight for more change yeah um and 
Marx, um, I've, I've run into a quote from Marx. Right. Who obviously, uh, not a big fan of capitalism. Um, his idea was in this specific quote that he wanted to encourage free trade which is typically quite destructive right. for any sort of socialist government like uh because like a big company can move in right and they can sort of destroy your local companies um yeah you're not allowed to kind of own a significant portion of the economy like as the as the government you know yeah nationalization it's very limited or non-existent when free trade is enforced on your country yeah so it kind of destroys that but the idea from him in this specific quote i he was saying um just just do it just go crazy for the free, free trade yeah and it'll make people pissed at uh free trade i guess yeah well <laughs> So it's putting fuel on the fire and you might not like the fire, but it'll burn it out faster, I guess, is the idea. Yeah, yeah. That every, like say a big corporation wanted to move in to where we live and it just yeah. dominated a certain market. Everyone would get pissed off to the point where they just wouldn't use it out of spite. Is that yeah. yeah. And that's why you would have like a couple of corporations competing or one corporation with two businesses that do the same thing and those businesses compete yeah and because it makes things look a bit less stark yeah. um you, it looks a bit more sort of free the problem so is people aren't opposed to that yeah. the problem is those two similar companies are usually owned by the same conglomerate <laughs> so yeah exactly um like gamestop uh, no, sorry, Game owned Game Station. You know, they were two companies and two separate stores, but they were the same thing. But it gives yeah. the illusion that you have choice. Yeah, because I was, I definitely had some loyalty to Game Station. Yeah. I really liked them. And <laughs> it seemed like the better place to go, but you find out it's the same, it's the same company. I think in some ways it was, right? It was generally a bit cheaper. Yeah. Especially for like pre-owned stuff. But, uh. And it was less, it was less like corporate, if that makes sense. It was a bit more laid back as a company. You wouldn't get approached by someone at the door. No. Which I, I was sort of hated. Yeah. Um, and like all the light. Yeah, it's was the all... illusion of choice. Yeah. And so I, I think this left wing idea is to show people beyond the illusion that their lives are less free. Yeah. Um, I think Trump is sort of accelerationist in that way. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe. As as you were saying last time, right? He is doing a lot of things that have been done by previous governments, like deporting similar numbers to Obama. Yeah. But he's talking about it, and he's talking about it in a way that sounds bad. Right. And people are realizing that it's this sort of violent thing to do. People, you know, people get se they're separated from their families, yeah. stuff like that. It's awful, but because of the way 
the way he brings it to 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 people's attention it's that that drives the change because the way that like like you say like the the way obama put it forward the majority of people would be like oh yeah okay we get this like we can get behind this but it's the same thing it's just because trump's much more volatile in his argument and he's yeah. he's much more well fuck you i'm going to do it anyway regardless of what you think which angers a lot of people yeah because they want their leaders to face consequences or to at least appear like their their leaders work for them you like to think that your government works for you but when your government takes the choice away from you that's when people get angry yeah like look at look at brexit like a lot of people are angry at brexit because they no longer have a choice in the matter yeah um it seemed like seizing seizing choice right at the time yeah it was like taking back control but now that we as a country have made a decision we now don't seem to have any further control it's up to whether boris and friends can uh like get a good deal or get a really shit deal yeah we've we've decided and to make a choice there's nothing we can do to affect that is no there? the the public have decided to make a choice but it's the government that decide what that choice is but yeah the, um a lot of people do talk about how this is the accelerationist timeline that we're on right like all the big um the big crises big events that are happening mm-hmm. like these f- kind of far right governments getting into power brazil and and here to an extent and in america um and the coronavirus Mm -hmm. it's showing that there are these problems in the system that need fixing yeah i um i'm definitely a a harm reduction sort of guy oh yeah um i i don't want acceleration into um you know people suffering in order for us to realize that things are shit yeah like i want things to get better for the average person so i i'd say i'm i'm sort of opposed to that form of accelerationism even though i do want um a, a radical change in the world yeah and i know that that is probably only going to be possible when things get to a certain bad point mm-hmm. uh but I'll, I'll i guess i'll fight against that acceleration you know yeah it does feel like, like we're in a pot that's starting to bubble over yeah i want to turn down the temperature yeah i think maybe maybe if it boils over more we'll we'll see some sort of change that would uh would escape the sort of cycle of of suffering that mm-hmm. we're locked in to some extent yeah. but i think the the violence and suffering that it would take to get there is something we should oppose it, i want to yeah. i want to reform if i can as much as possible it will be interesting because obviously the the US elections coming up in 
uh, well, the end of the end of next next month, thirtieth of November, third um, of November, th- something. Yeah, it is November, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. in the next month or so, um, I it's it's I can't see Trump getting a second term. Although I think it's going to be close. I am not putting my money anywhere. Right, okay. I think either, either choice is bad. Um, I don't think Biden would make a good uh, a good prime minister, <laughs> a good president. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it, it probably won't affect me personally. So I'll, I'm, I'm quite happy to sit back and, and watch. Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can't do much about it. Yeah. I want Biden to win. I don't want, um, you know, far-right extremists, Nazis, to see their guy who speaks their language in office for another four years. Right. And I want there to be some sort of centrist-ish... Um, political change in america but maybe they'd they'd step back into like the the paris agreement they might de-escalate tensions with iran a bit you know i'm sure biden would still do some awful things because he has throughout his political career Mm -hmm. but i don't think they'd be as bad and (laughs) but if you're i i want people to have better lives so i guess you know that's the guy for it the lesser of two evils if you're behind this uh, accelerationism viewpoint, though, Donald Trump getting a yeah. second term might be more beneficial. Yeah. I don't know what Zizek would say nowadays, now he's seen one term, mm. but he, he might still be like, yeah, give him one more, and then we'll get like a Bernie Sanders in next time. Yeah. Or, um, you know, someone more left. More left Maybe than that... Bernie Sanders? Well... I mean, you could. I think you could see it if um, if things got a fair bit worse in America. Mm. And every day things seem worse. Yeah. Do you? So who knows? I, but I don't want things get to get worse. You know. Yeah. This is it. I suppose it's good if you're living in the time after the the pots bubbled over. But if you're around during that time then it's, it's pretty shit for you. Well, it's the old Greek curse, isn't it? May you live in interesting times. Mm. It's because with, uh, with coronavirus and Donald Trump as well, and all these things going on, it's interesting to think that you are living through history. You yeah. Know, our... Well, people always have been. But True. I think we were allowed to tune out of it for a mm. while. 2020 is definitely a year that that will be talked about. Um, it, I, yeah. I find that's quite interesting. Like people, like kids in the future will ask you what you did this year. Yeah, when they're on their neural yeah, and like neuro texting us, uh, granddad, can you send me your emotions that you were feeling in 2021 yeah. when Corona two happened and also yellowstone erupted and then (laughs) i'll just send them my memories from when i just got super baked every day (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Best year of my life. Yeah, it's really good actually. <laughs> she played video games all yeah. the time. Couldn't go into work. No, got paid by my government, eighty <laughs> percent. Uh, the economy plummeted, and uh, but you know, I I bought some pretty cool games in the Steam sale. <laughs> yeah, aliens invaded the next year, and um, I mean the rest is history. Really, yeah. it's been good since then. Yeah, but not as good as that one year where I was baked <laughs> playing playing Phasmophobia. Yeah, and Among Us. Uh, so, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, that was it, really. Um, yeah. I wanted to go down the route very quickly. Um, how, when I, when I said we can learn from ancient civilizations, I yeah. think one of the things we can help society is a return to spiritualism. Because um, this, this narcissism that we just get on with it and nothing happens and nothing matters and I think there's there's an argument for it, and that's great, but it's not good for change. It's not good for driving change. Um, I'd like to see in the future some form of um, shamanism or uh, some some special third person that you go and see, and you'll get your uh, yeah, you'll, like you'll a, your... a psychiatrist, but for the soul yeah yeah whether that involves the use of psychedelics or not i think there's there's an argument that you need to ground yourself and uh clear out all the crap because the society that we live in nowadays you you accumulate a lot of shit and uh spiritualism is a good way of getting rid of that hmm. um whether that goes back to advancement or not, I couldn't tell you, but... Uh... Well, I think, um, as we've said, primitivists have a little bit of a point. Mm. Um, advancement isn't a universally good thing. It's just a thing. And there are some big issues that come out of it. Yeah, Issues I... I think we can solve i think if we um, just gave donald trump mushrooms twice a month <laughs> we'd have a better world <laughs> yeah well he'd be dead wouldn't he would he probably he i mean he's had so many experimental drugs pumped into him yeah to like save him from coronavirus shrooms are fine shrooms are chill he's He's probably on a bunch of medication. He probably anyway. is. I would. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think he would die, and then Mike Pence would be in charge, and that would be the final stage of the accelerationist yeah. project. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, we can. We can learn stuff from both the past and I guess the the future, even though that's that's not a thing, you know. Well. We can all until we get there. We can all but, imagine um, where we're going. We we're either going to live in Fallout seventy six or the Matrix. You know, I guess maybe a better way of putting it is we can gain a lot from the future, and we can learn a lot from the past, and we need to combine the two yeah. to build something that works for us all beautiful 
Thanks. I think that's a good place to end. Oh. I really like okay. it. Cool. Nice. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Zeit Heist podcast. Uh, please do subscribe or follow, I guess, if you're on Spotify. Uh, share us around. Um, have a great week or week fortnight or however long it takes for us to release the next episode. Have a great life. Nice. <laughs> GG. GG. Oh man.